less meat right in the F&A hole. That's all I can say about today. All right, I'm going to try to get my show recorded. I'm going to try to get this thing banged through. Uh, I am in a house under construction, thanks to my wife. And I'm about to blow my effing gasket sky effing high. I am so effing pissed off right now. I can't even effing tell you. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, I'm about to blow it. So, uh, the show is on, it is the Monday show. I tell you guys I gotta record a day in advance because I work a real job where I work overnights. You would think that being alone and enough would be enough for my wife to think, hey, he works overnights, he's gotta sleep, let's not F with his sleep, but that has not mattered all weekend. I've had people working in my house and waking me up. And then tonight, I got to wake up, and then I got to do my show, and now I can't do my show because there's a lot of construction noise at my house, and I'm not happy about it. Not their fault. These guys are just doing what she hired them to do. I'm just wondering why she hired someone to do something to make so much epic noise in my goddamn house while I got to do a radio show in a room right next to me. But I digress. Let me try to get through this and try to not blow my effing gasket and try not to uh, harm anyone and and be uh, uh, okay. So he, here I am. I got coming up, Moto. Moto today, we're not going to go to the top of the podium. We're going to go to the bottom of the podium, and we're gonna, not going to talk to Cooper Webb, who got his first win. We're going to do that tomorrow or Wednesday. Uh, AP got on the box, and that was exciting, and we really dig AP, and everyone loves AP. So we're going to get him on. It's a short interview, not too long. Got a lot more time with Cooper Webb. So we got some long ones coming up with Sexton and Webb, but the uh, AP one will be what you're going to get right out of the box today and then replayed at the end of the show. Now, outside of that, we got some fun stuff to talk about. That damn balloon. The balloon, balloon, balloons are everywhere, and they are popping up all over the effing place. And they shot down four now. So we shot the one down last week that we all knew about after it already flew over all of our major military installations and photographed everything it needed, got all the info it needed. Then our douchebag president decided to shoot it down. And I like his first defense was, this happened three times with Trump. No, really? I bet it didn't. And why didn't you shoot it down when you first saw it? Well, now they're shooting them down left and right, and apparently they're everywhere, Chinese having balloons. But are they Chinese balloons? because they're trying to muddy the waters. And it's something I've said. It's a nice conspiracy theory I have on this entire topic. And right after we talk to Aaron Plessinger, we will get into it. It's a long rant, but there's one of like five things going on, and we're going to try to figure out what it is. Then I got some fun stuff uh, about stolen cars. I got a fake policeman. Never be a fake policeman. You're going to get in trouble. And then I got... uh, a real policeman, but he's over in the UK, so he doesn't have a gun, and he responds to, like, a mass shooting. It's not hard. It's very, very hard to be a police officer without a gun that responds to a mass shooting, so that's what happened. We'll get into that story. And any other rants I have as I try to maintain my effing sanity and not murder anyone. I'm above and beyond out of my head. I have another good story, too. After the UFO, weather balloon, whatever rant this is that is coming up, I'm going to get into a sign about how to find swingers in your neighborhood. Yeah, signs of swinging in your neighborhood, which you may have at your house because I'd never heard of any of these before. And apparently they're a thing. 
And you may have these at your house, and other swingers in the neighborhood may walk by and be like, hey, what's up? And you're like, hey, what's going on? I see you got a garden gnome. That's a thing. We're going to get into it. And there's more than just a garden gnome. There's like five things that apparently mean you're a swinger, or you're looking to swing, or you're open to swing, and people have them in their front yards, and you have no idea. Or you're a swinger. I wondered why there's 9,000 garden gnomes all around the front of the radio station that Moto Man takes care of. I'm just saying, we're going to get into this. We're going to peel this onion back one layer at a time. So everybody hang on to your effing panties, because Stretch is pissed. It's going to be one of those freaking days. Aaron Plessinger's on deck. We'll talk to him. Red Bull KTM rider getting on the podium for the first time this year. And that is coming up on a Fortnite. The man Report. Something very interesting happened in Arizona over the weekend, and it wasn't the Super Bowl. No, it was right after Drake had a Super Bowl party. Apparently, Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox broke up. They say they know this because Megan Fox has completely washed him from her social media presence, and it looks like she's gone, and she's only following three dudes now, and none of them are Machine Gun Kelly. People are saying, hey, maybe Pete Davidson, the official king of the rebound, should come around. Maybe he can hook up with Megan Fox. That'd be a good one, Pete. You should do it. Late last week on The Stretch Show, I told you how Disney's laying off 7,000 employees. And that kind of sucks when you lose your gig. But you know what sucks even more? When you're watching the Super Bowl on Sunday and you see Disney ads that are millions and millions and millions of dollars. And you're like, damn, if they would have just like cut down on those ads, maybe they could have kept some of these employees around. Disney blows. And finally, one of the founding members of the group De La Soul has passed away. Dove died at a hospital in Maryland over the weekend. No cause of death yet, but rest in peace, Mr. Dove. The Man Entertainment with Stretch. Cowboy. Cowboy. Oh, man, you know what that means. If we are talking cowboy, that can only be one dude up on the professional motocross circuit. And I'm talking about AP, Aaron Plessinger, getting on the box for the first time this season. Just missed it last week. And here you are at number three overall out of Tampa this week. It's got to feel good, AP. What kind of confidence booster is this moving in? And, you know, what did you learn last week just missing the podium that you applied this week to get yourself up on the box? <coughs> yeah, it's a big confidence booster for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, I've been working on my starts, and it's it's definitely showing. So um, <clears throat> it felt good to get out there and, and run with the front with these boys. And, yeah. um yeah, it's a shame that I made uh, a couple mistakes to keep me from uh, from from really latching on to these guys and uh, okay. hanging on with them. But um, you know, third place is is the best I've had in a while. Um, I got hurt early in the season last year, and uh, yeah, I'm pumped on this, and this just gives me more confidence to come back out in uh, in Oakland and do it again. Goddamn, God AP, what happened to your voice? You out screaming like the freaking Ohio madman that you are? Like, what happened? <laughs> You could say that. I was, <laughs> I was screaming louder than the fans today. So nice. I, I just had a good feeling about today, so I was being loud. Uh, you know what's funny? I had a good feeling when I saw that track, and I'm like, that, that that dirt looks really dark, which means it's wet, which means it's been raining, which means AP's going to have a hell of a day. I thought that as I was watching the pre-show, I was thinking that. So what, what did you do different, though? What was different between last week and this week? Because last week you were really good, too. This week you managed to get up on the box. Um... <clears throat> I think, uh, I mean, I just did my motos this week, really. Um, I think if it wasn't for that red flag last week, uh, 
it might have been a little bit of a different story. Um, you know, I think me and Eli had a really good pace going there, and, and we weren't too far ahead of everybody else, but um, we were working on it, and uh, we had good speed in the whoops, and, and I just had a good flow at Houston. So um, if it wasn't for the red flag, uh, I think I could have maybe landed up here a little bit earlier. But um, no, I, I just did my motos, and, and uh, yeah, had a good time this week. I can tell you had a good time, and by the way, I, I can tell when uh, riders are really fired up about something because they will take the social media before the freaking, uh, you know, b- before the, the whole race even starts. We'll see this and be like, uh-oh, this happened today. And I had that moment, and it was with you this week, and it was uh, apparently in the sand. You had crashed in the sand, and then you jumped up and gave the double middle fingers to the sand right after you stood up from the ground which is pretty funny, but I got to ask you, this sand's been gnarly the last couple weeks. Uh, how you liking it, AP? I don't like it. <laughs> I really don't like it. Yeah, you can probably see that today. I didn't like it. Yeah, it looks like none of you guys liked it at all. What's the worst part of it? Because like, I get it, it's hard to stay up and it really slows you guys down, but but what's the worst part of that gnarly deep sand we've seen the last couple weeks? Yeah, when you let off the gas, it sucked you down like all right. right now. Got it. See, like, yeah, no, nobody was digging the, the sand the last couple of weeks, and it took a lot of riders down. Uh, AP, on the box, congratulations. Great to see you up here. You're a fan favorite. What do you got to do moving forward? Like, what was the difference between where you were at the start of the season and you are now? Uh, let us know what you think you got to do to stay at this level of racing for the rest of the season. Uh, I think it's yeah. just confidence and starts, man. Yeah. Um, I'm the same dude as, as when I started A1. I just, uh, you can't come through. You can't get a ninth place start and come through with uh, with these champions. Yeah. It's uh, when you look deep into the class where, I mean, you got 15 champions on the track. It's, it's yeah. crazy to think about. But you can't get a bad start and come through these guys like you could in the, in the 250 class. It just doesn't happen. So um, okay. it just starts. And, yeah, confidence on the bike. I'm um getting more and more comfy every week and uh yeah just i guess riding with this guy next to me it uh <laughs> makes me that much more confident <laughs> there you go congratulations yeah. to you and the entire red bull ktm team ap uh got, you guys got uh, first and third tonight that is pretty damn solid great night for you guys in florida and we look forward to seeing you back on the box we're coming back out to the west coast next week it's a long haul back out to oakland but uh, best of luck to you there. Can't wait to see what you guys put up uh, on the box for next week. I am Stretch. This is the Big 49, your home of Moto Rock Extreme. Big, big, big. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. I don't know what the factory teams are going to do because Max Anstey got back on the podium Saturday in Tampa with a third place overall. That's both rounds of the 250 East crew. Anstey has been up there on the box first week in second, this week in third. And remember, this is not a factory team. It is the Firepower Honda team that both him and Dean Wilson ride for. And these are some seriously good riders riding some good bikes, and they're looking good, especially Max Anstey in the 250 class. We'll see if they leak out any rumors of him cheating again this week. I am Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big four nine. It's Stretch Show. Let's try to calm down now and let's talk about these goddamn balloons.
Oh, man. So we all know that last week there was a alleged high-altitude Chinese spy balloon flying over all of the military installations of north-north uh, United States, coming back and forth across the Canadian border in the United States, filming the nuclear sites, filming top-secret aircraft facilities. And it was just buzzing around. And our douchebag president, the Captain Dementia, Captain I Just Crap My Pants, didn't do a goddamn thing about it because he's in the pocket of the freaking Chinese. He let it fly all the way across America, get all the um, information gathering it needed to do, and then shot it down over the Atlantic Ocean after it already done its damage. And then his first thing he said was, well, this happened three times to President Trump. And it's like, yeah, I, I bet not. Because if anybody would have possibly had any inclination to happening to Trump, the media would have been all over it and said he was in cahoots with the Chinese so that he could build a hotel over there or something, and then he would have been doing this. So I don't think it happened three times to President Trump. I, I seriously doubt the validity of that statement. Okay, so now let's go into what's happened since that time. On Friday, they shot one down over Alaska. Another, I'm guessing, balloon. And then they shot down another one over Canada over the weekend. And then they shot down another one yesterday over Lake Huron. And remember, when I started this, I said, this is all fake. This is not even probably a Chinese balloon. I anticipated it being the United States government doing this so that we could and then uh, muddy the waters of the whole UAP disclosure thing that's going on. We have that disclosure happening, and as long as that's out there, it's definitely muddy waters. Because remember, everything that they've said is that UAP so far has been a Chinese drone. And you're like, well, you can't have Chinese drones in the middle of the ocean away from no land. Doesn't make sense. But you could if you had a giant 40,000-foot elevated Chinese spy balloon up ahead that is... And by the way, these balloons aren't like your typical balloon. They don't just go up and float around. They have propellers on them, and they can maneuver them to fly the direction they want them to go in and then use the winds, the prevailing winds, to go their great distances, but they can be steered. So if they know where the U.S. military ships are at sea, and they have a cargo the size of three school buses, they could easily drop a swarm of drones down to gather information on the U.S. naval vessels. That's... That's factual right there. So our, now, think about this, though. You've got the U.S. government that has been shady at best when dealing with UAPs ever since Roswell, New Mexico. They've been shady and covering up. So does it make sense to you that they would uh, BS this, that they would uh, kind of make false reports? And remember, I've been very, very, very... Uh, Leary of uh, Lou Alzando from the get-go. The guy's from the Pentagon. He's the biggest guy in the whistleblower side of the whole UFO movement. And Lou Alzando has been saying, like, these are hostile, these are hostile, these are hostile, and we got to do it. To me, he's been like a mouthpiece for the Pentagon that is removed from the Pentagon so that they can get the budgets they need, the black ops and stuff, to defend against whatever these things are that are in the sky that are a threat to us. Is that far-fetched no it's not that's not that's not a bad theory i've liked that theory a lot well now we get this chinese balloon out of nowhere that's just you know strolling across the united states taking pictures of stuff we shoot it down and now once that happens there's we're besieged with these things all of a sudden 
And now we get the report that the last object they shot down, let me get back to this story, doesn't appear to be a balloon at all. And uh, I love to, one of these stories, the one they shot down over Canada, it was shot down by US fighter jets over Canada. And I love that uh, Trudeau, who is a pinko leftist commie prick in Canada that I know all the good Canadians are not fans of. They, he ordered the US jets to shoot it down. But wait a minute, Biden didn't order crap. When Biden found out there was a weather balloon over, or a spy balloon over the United States, he let it fly all the way across the United States, gather all the information it could, and then shot it down over the waters for safety. Yet it was over Montana, where there's more effing buffalo than people, and you probably wouldn't have hit anything anyways, would have been safe to shoot it down over Montana. But he didn't, and he's getting tons of heat for that. I like that Trudeau's like, hey, you got the US military up right now, go ahead and shoot that down over Canadian skies, you're good. And they did. So they shot one down over Canada with U.S. jets by order of the Canadian Prime Minister, which is doing apparently a better job than the United States President is of keeping us safe because he lets them gather all the information over our sensitive areas before he orders them shot down. But then again, he's a senile buffoon. All right, so now we're going to go all the way down to the latest story, the one they shot down over... uh, Lake Huron. Lake Huron is, uh, that was another one they believe was, the, the last few, by the way, have been much smaller, what they believe, spy balloons. But then we get this one. It wasn't over Lake Huron. This is the one over Alaska. And they say it interfered with the F-35 fighter jet sensors. It had no identifiable uh, propulsion system. And it was shot down 10 miles off the frozen coast of Alaska on Friday afternoon. Now, we know this isn't a UFO because we know from the Tic Tac video that UFOs aren't going to get shot down, that they're going to toy with the fighter jets because the fighter jets can't do crap to them. So why are we getting this story all of a sudden that this thing was a weird shape? It was not a balloon. It did not have a cargo bay on it. And the fighter jets shot it down. We don't have it yet to really tell you what it is exactly but they're trying to float it out there and let the conspiracy nutjobs like myself run with it that this was a UFO they shot down over Alaska. It was cruising around at 40,000 feet. Yet, it was there for days because they were tracking it. Apparently, they have a system to track these things and they were tracking it. So what kind of UFO sits around for days in the same spot? It doesn't. It's another spy balloon. Now, to add to this funny comedy of spy balloons, UFOs, and whatnot... China now says they're tracking a spy balloon over one of their military installations and they're about to shoot it down and they've been making a very public display. To which I say, I doubt the United States is using the spy balloon. It's not very high tech. We've got satellites and things in space that are far superior to what we can get from a balloon. So why risk it? Why risk losing it? Up in outer space, no one's gonna shoot it down. That stuff can gather technology, gather all the evidence that it wants which is why another reason I was suspicious of the Chinese spy balloon. But then again, the Chinese are shady little bastards and I wouldn't put anything past them. So it's believable that it's a Chinese spy balloon, but it's also believable that it was the United States government to make you think it was a Chinese spy balloon. And it's also believable that it was the U.S. government trying to make you say it was a a possible UFO to muddy those waters as well because we've got all this crap going on with the uh, truth embargo apparently being lifted on UAPs and UFOs. So all in all, we have more questions than answers. China either got their balloon shot down and got their feelings butt hurt and then flooded us with a whole bunch more balloons, 
or somehow miraculously in the last 72 hours, we have developed the technology to shoot down a UFO. I don't think that's true. And I don't think it's a UFO. Or that was something the US government put up there so we could shoot it down so that we could make it look like we don't know what this is. All governments are shady. Our government, one of the shadiest on earth. And the people that run it are buffoons. So what are you gonna believe? Is it an operation to get a, you know, unlimited blank check for the Pentagon so they can defend against these things that are coming out of nowhere? Is it really the Chinese? Are we trying to stir up some crap on the Chinese so that we can find, like, think about it. If you got the Chinese coming up, they're a billion people strong. They're doing nothing but getting stronger and stronger and stronger. If you're going to go to war with these guys, you may as well do it now before they get too strong. You may as well get in and nip them in the ass before they become too strong. So why not provoke it? I I'm serious. The more I think of all of this, the more I think all of this is the United States doing all of it. I really, really do. I, I, I hate to be that nutjob conspiracy theorist, but that's where the evidence leads me to believe at this point. And it's all believable to me because they've got a history of being shady with these such topics. So let's see what happens. Let's see what they say. Remember, we still haven't got the wreckage of the first balloon yet so they can show us what that is. And if there were um, drones inside those cargo bays of that three school bus size container that was on the bottom of that first balloon, which was 200 feet tall. And we didn't find it till it was over Montana. Seems like somebody needs to do a better job of defending our country. I'm just saying. So we'll find out what all these are. But they're definitely trying to lead, the, lead people into believing that one of them was not a standard balloon, that it was some advanced technology. And that just waters down the UFO theory that all these UFOs have been Chinese balloons and drones all along. So let's keep our ears posted and we'll figure out what's going on with this crap. Time to stretch. Up next, let's talk about uh, being a swinger, hooking up, banging the neighbors, or what you might have in your front yard to make the swinging neighbors think you want to bone them, even though you just have it up there because, well, you like garden gnomes or flamingos. Those are all signs. We'll get into all this next. It's the Big 4-9. Big 49. Big 4-9. It is a stretch show on a freaking Monday morning. Shout out to AP, who we talked to earlier in the show. If you missed it, we will get it up later in the show and if you miss anything on the show you can always get it now on the podcast and i'm gonna break it down the podcast is everywhere you can get them but iheart's making it hard to find the stretch show it's on there because i i dug it up put it on my favorites so, so i could find it just to make sure it was loading and then it's still very hard to find if you search that they'll give you all of their radio stations before they'll give you ours let's just be honest iheart is in the business of iheart not in the business of big 49 i understand that uh, but I can tell you this, you can get it, go to Google and you just Google, uh, stretch show podcast or big 49 podcast and it'll, Google now has it in their, uh, freaking podcast network. So you can, and they have all the shows up there. You can just click on that. And then the other one that's easy to find it is Amazon. Amazon's super easy to find it too. And here's why those people don't have any streaming stations of their own. iHeart's got 300-something stations that they're trying to push, plus another probably 300 more digital products they're trying to push. 
So they're going to push all their products. You could search for Big 49 and it'll give you K-Big, uh, Big This, Big That. It'll give you a million things before you will get to us. So, And no knock on them. We're grateful to be on the platform with them. And we're in cahoots with them, so to speak. They've been the coolest to us of anyone, but business is business. And we are not part of their business, so to speak. So that's why you're not going to find us that easily on there. So my suggestion is that if you want the podcast, uh, Amazon or Google, and you will find it there. Very easily you will find it there. This show will be up uh, later in the day on Monday afternoon. We'll post them usually sometime Monday afternoon. And then you can listen and enjoy. All right. Tomorrow's uh, Sucker Day. It is Valentine's Day where men spend a lot of money and get nothing but grief because you never did it right. That is a great day coming for all you suckers. I would say uh, if you are not in a relationship, if you're not in a relationship and you're trying to hook up with someone and you go all out, it's going to be expensive. If you're not in a relationship and you're at home and you're like, F it. For a dude, it's the greatest day ever. You're sitting at home watching, like, I don't know, maybe watch the rerun of freaking Supercross races from Tampa this weekend on Peacock. And you're like, dude, I just saved like three, four hundred bucks, maybe more. If you're a chick in your home, you're eating a half gallon of ice cream and drowning yourself in sorrows because you feel like a failure because you don't have a Valentine. It's a weird thing. It's like the biggest win for a guy to be alone on Valentine's Day and the biggest lose for a girl to be home on Valentine's Day. We had the Super Bowl yesterday for guys. The Super Bowl for women is tomorrow. It's very, very true. It is their day. So if you're a dude and you're listening to this station and you do not have to go out and do anything, shout out to you. You are my effing hero. All right, coming up, let's talk about this right now. Do your neighbors think you're a swinger? It says, over the years, here are uh, signs that apparently mean you're a swinger to other swingers in the neighborhood. An upside down pineapple? And they say even a pineapple door knocker on a house or a pineapple anything, any sort of pineapple decoration at the front of the house means you're a swinger. I didn't know that. I, I believe we have like a pineapple candle holder in front of my house. I seriously, maybe it's in the back. We had a lawn decoration somewhere, but I promise you we are not swingers. Uh, next thing, garden gnomes. If you have a garden gnome in front of your house, people think maybe I just put a garden gnome out there in my little garden. Well, apparently that's a thing. And and a lot of old people are swingers, like old geezers. Remember, Viagra changed the game for old people getting their freak on. Old people are popping the blue pills and getting nutty, nutty cuckoo, going out there and banging away. So, uh, let's see, what else do we have up there? Besides other things that let them know you're a swinger, also, there's these certain type of wooden chairs and the color of the chair, it's like the gay handkerchief thing. They they call them, oh my God, what are the names of these freaking wooden chairs? They are high-backed wooden chairs and I don't know what, something about the color of the ones you have determine what you're into. And by the way, this is coming out of San Diego. San Diego's the one that started reporting this. This is where this came from. They say if you're on a cruise ship and you ever see an upside down pineapple, oh yeah, there's swingers in that room. And people will bring a pineapple decoration hanging upside down on the door. And you think, oh, look, how fun. They just brought their little 
decorations. No, they're telling other swingers, like, come into our cabin and bang away. That's what they're telling you. Uh, they say if there's an upside-down pineapple on your porch, it's an invitation that there might be a swinger party going on there. I, I knew none of this. I knew none of this. And I don't get the high-back wooden chairs either. They're low to the ground, and they are high-backed. Also, lawn flamingos are another sign. Yeah. And, they, and they say you can Google all this. Swingers and flamingos, swingers and pineapples, swingers and uh, lawn chairs and gnomes. And you will find the definition of all of these things. Yeah, so it, it's it's a thing. And if you have them around, uh, be on the lookout. Or if you're walking in your neighborhood and you see a house with a bunch of pineapples or gnomes, there's even a thing that if you have white rocks around your mailbox is a swinger code. Yeah, they say white rocks as being propositioned by a swinger couple. So if you've got white rocks around your your mailbox in the front of your house, that means you're open to propositions from other swingers. I, I don't get where all this comes from. And what if I just like white rocks and I put them around and then I get some freak up in my house trying to like bang me or something? Right, get the hell away from me, you fucking weirdo. I'm not trying to hook up with you. I got white rocks around my, like you wouldn't even know this. A gnome means you want to hook up with the neighbors. A pineapple, a high-back wooden chair painted various colors. It's, it's like, who makes this crap up? I don't know. But just so you know, Moto Man, I know you got all of those things around the radio station, so I'm hip to your game. If I go up there and there's a freak fest going on at the radio station, Moto Man's going to be in trouble. I can tell you that much. Yeah, so there you go. Maybe you're swinging and you know about this. If you do know about this, you can always hit me up on the... Uh, text line or hit me up. We got a request line too, but I don't answer them because I record my show. And those are 866-49-BIG-49. You can always call whenever we are live. Moto Man always goes live on Friday with Kyle, and then the Saturday show is always live. Stretch show. No, it's never live because I'm always working or pulling my hair out or bashing my head against the wall somewhere. Probably what I'm really doing. Alright, coming up next, let's get into some stolen vehicle ring that was busted in well it wasn't busted in Canada but it was out of Canada let's talk about this one you always hear like oh my car I, I had a car stolen that was never recovered and I'm sure this type of situation is what happened to it get into it next it's the big 49 Big, 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 big. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. Man, all those young dudes over at the Star Racing Yamaha 250 squad are fast as hell, and they are coming up. But what a heartbreaker they had Saturday in Tampa. Young Nate Thrasher was taking the lead all the way. He was running this thing wide open and had it all the way up until the final turn of the final lap of the main event, at which point Hunter Lawrence barely squeaks by him at the line and beats him by like a tire. Hunter gets the overall win. Nate Thrasher gets second place, but that had to sting. It had to sting to not get that win because he was riding his butt off, man. But shout out to that star racing crew. They are fun to watch this season. I am Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 4-9, it's a stretch show on a Monday morning right now. Gonna talk about getting your car stolen. You ever had your car stolen? It's the worst feeling ever. I had my car. I had just bought it. It was a K5 Chevy Blazer. It was lifted. It had big tires on it. Uh, I just put a really expensive stereo in it, and it was stolen about a week later. And 
I was never recovered. My vehicle was never, ever recovered. Just gone. Matter of fact, when I went to police, they're like, oh yeah, that thing's in Mexico. I was like, really? Well, maybe you a-hole should get it, but it was nothing. Like, they didn't find a shell, nothing. That car just vanished. Check out this story. $3.5 million worth of stolen vehicles have been returned to Canada after they were found in shipping containers in Malta. Yeah. 64 stolen vehicles in total at a value of $3.5 million were found inside shipping containers in the Republic of Malta, ready to be sold illegally. They say the vehicles have since been repatriated to Canada through their border service agency. Police say investigators believe the vehicles were stolen from the greater Toronto area, straight out of people's driveways by members of a car theft ring, which has been the subject of a years-long investigation called Project Majestic. So they've known these guys are doing this. They just wanted to see where they were taking them. So if you had your car stolen out of Toronto, out of your driveway anytime recently, and shout out to all the Canadian listeners. We got people worldwide on the 4-9. Maybe uh, your car was part of that ring. Say at the time, they also seized an additional 70 stolen vehicles valued at $4.5 million. And I don't know where those came from. Maybe those came from the United States. There's that Canadian story I'm doing here say the suspects entered the vehicles and reprogrammed ignition computers allowing them to be driven away utilizing a new key that's how they got them the vehicles were driven directly to the port of montreal where they were loaded into shipping containers in toronto and transported to montreal by rail the containers were then loaded onto ships and vehicles and delivered to africa and the united arab emirates all of the vehicles were higher-end lexus toyotas hondas uh, and that was the vehicles they like to take the most. At this point, they say it's not clear whether any additional charges will be filed in connection with the 18 people that they arrested and the vehicles that were recovered in Malta and brought back. And police in Canada say this investigation is ongoing. So there you go. I know this feeling. I had a vehicle. And I walked outside with my blazer. And when I did... I just bought a new television set. And I opened the back and I took my television set out and I brought it into my house. And my car in the middle of the day in Santa Monica was sitting right in front of my apartment, parked on the street in the middle of the day. And I took the TV out and I brought it up and I plugged, hooked up the TV and then came back down and my car was no longer in the spot it was in. And there was broken glass because the K5 Blazer had a wing window. So they broke the wing window and got in and then hotwired it and took off. Because I did not have the fancy rewirable uh, ignition key fob that they're doing now. I also saw a thing on in my neighborhood where people, they had a Mercedes keys that they were reprogramming and they were breaking into them. They weren't stealing them. They were just using it to open the car doors and then stealing everything out of the inside of a Mercedes. And people are like, yeah, somehow they had a, a key to our car because you, they showed the uh, home security footage and it, you see the lights flash, click, click, which means the door opened and then they walked up, opened the door and stole everything out of the car. And I don't know, when my car got stolen that time, it was, I had just started a divorce and I was back and forth with my son a lot. So I, and I, I worked weird hours, shocker, morning show person. I'd have to be at work at like three o'clock in the morning. So when I had my son, 
on nights he stayed with me, he would usually come hang out with me all day. Then I would bring him to my parents' house, and they would bring him to school in the morning because no kid wants to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and go to daycare before they have to go to school at 8 o'clock. So I had toys and all kinds of my son's crap in the back of my blazer that I moved around. It would be at my house or my parents' house or wherever I had my son. And all of that stolen. I lost so much crap that was irreplaceable besides that car when that happened. That's why I think car thieves should be shot and killed. You should be able to shoot them. You should be able to walk out and be like, why are you trying to steal my car? Bop, 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 bop. And just let them eat some lead. And that should be fine and completely legal in Stretch's world. All thieves should be murdered. I'm totally fine with that. You steal, like, you know how hard it is? You know how hard I have to work having three effing jobs and this effing radio station being one of them? And then someone steals from me? I will shoot you right in the face. And I think it should be completely legal. But no, that would not be the case. They would have a GoFundMe for the thief and I would go to prison for murder. Because America is broken. Very, very, very broken. And crap is not right and we need to fix it. We need to get back to bad people. Bad things happen to bad people and they deserve it. As opposed to prosecuting the good guy that's just trying to work his ass off and make a, you know, honest living without having everything stolen. And you got a district attorney like Gascon here in Los Angeles. It's like, yeah, you can steal $900 worth of stuff a day and we won't prosecute you. It's totally legal. Steal away. Yeah, suck it, you bastards. I'm Stretch. I hate thieves. It's the big 4-9. Big, big, big. The big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. What a way to get your career started for young Hayden Deegan of that Star Racing Yamaha crew. The guy makes his pro debut last week and rides to a fourth place finish overall, just narrowly missing the podium. And then you go to Tampa, you're like, all right, it was a good debut, a lot of hype. Well, the kid ditto did it again. In fact, he is so consistent right now that he is currently sitting at third place in the championship hunt for the 250 East. And that's because sixth place in sixth place, you've had a lot of guys that will get up on the podium, then the next week they're seventh, eighth, ninth, way down the list. And Hayden is just banging them out, being consistent. In fact, he was so consistent that in his heat race, he got the overall win. The kid wired to wired it, came out the hole, shot it out, and then went all the way through the entire heat race to get his first ever Supercross win on that. And then a sixth place overall on the night when the main event rolled around. This kid is off to a hot start. Can't wait to keep watching Hayden Deegan when we get back to the 250 East here in a couple weeks. I am Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 4-9. It's a stretch show. Let's talk about uh, motocross on Saturday. Supercross at Tampa, Raymond James Stadium. Uh, that 250 main event with Hunter Lawrence putting it down and just edging out Thrasher at the last second for like a by a front tire was one of the greatest races I've seen in a while. That was an amazing race right there. Hunter Lawrence is a warrior, and the dude is battling, and they were bumping and rubbing and hitting, but it was funny. I, As we were doing our broadcast coverage on Saturday, I remember calling out Jason Anderson for being a dirty dog, and once again, taking out Justin Barsha and bumping and rubbing with him, and it was all on Anderson, but I have to tell you, I watched the replay. Uh, yesterday, there was a replay on just regular Channel 4. They replayed the Supercross. And we weren't doing coverage of it at that point. I was just watching it as a fan and, and 
checking it out, and I had said during the coverage that the uh, dirt was really dark, which said to me it was wet, which means it was dangerous and like slippery. And I've got a, a couple of theories. Now that I know how slippery that it was out there and talking to the guys after the races, they were saying it was really slippery. So it makes me think that A, uh, Anderson, when I watched that replay of Anderson taking out Barsha, he slid right into him. I don't think, I think he was trying to r run him high, but he wasn't trying to hit him. That was not a dirty dog move. That was Jason Anderson not being a dirty dog. That was Jason Anderson just playing, you know, rubbing his racing and playing hard. And I also think that the slams between Thrasher and Hunter Lawrence were unavoidable because it was so slippery out there. Shout out to Cooper Webb for just being so laser focused, man, and just not making mistakes and being there and capitalizing when it was time to capitalize and get in there and get that win. That was good to see. Love Coop. Uh, but so we had that go down. And then Eli Tomac was not a factor. He did fifth overall, didn't have a crash, like nothing happened. He just did not look like Eli Tomac. Now, one of the theories I have since heard is that those Yamahas are so effing powerful that they were not a very good bike for that uh, slippery dirt that we were having in Florida. So we had, you know, it wasn't muddy, but it was definitely slippery and it was raining during the races for a lot of the time. And that just made that top soil and that dirt there, they brought in the dirt. It wasn't the Southern clay, but I'm sorry, all that Southern dirt is a little clayish. And wet clay is one of the most slippery things you can ever deal with. You ever walk on wet clay and you end up on your ass with wet clay on your butt and your back and back of your head when you fall on your ass because that's what happens. And they're saying those Yamahas are so freaking powerful that they just, they basically get no traction. Granted, you only had Eli in the 450 class. And I'm talking about the star racing Yamahas in particular, the factory bikes. But yet Eli Tomac just wasn't a factor and, and there might be something to that. That bike might have not been getting any traction and Eli might have not been able to make that charge that he always does to eat people because he was just getting wheel spin, wheel spin, wheel spin. And then you bring into that the three foot deep sand section they had and nobody likes those sand sections they've been putting in. And I have a feeling that's just gonna make them put more in and make these guys deal with them. But the sand and then the slipperiness, but, but I will absolutely backpedal on anything I said about Jason Anderson on a dirty dog for yesterday. That track was just too slippery and if you got close to people, chances were that you were gonna make contact and then you and or them were gonna go down and we saw that a lot. A lot of guys bumping and falling, not being dirty, just slipping and sliding on that slippery ass southern wet dirt that was getting rained on as they raced on it. So that's my two cents on now re-watching the race since Saturday on the replay. Shout out to NBC for doing that. It was really smart to do. You had the Super Bowl hype coverage that goes on all day and you could watch that and it's a bunch of garbage and political BS that you probably don't care about. I know I don't care about and I love football. So it was cool to just kick over and watch the Supercross on NBC yesterday as opposed to watching Super Bowl hogwash pregame bullcrap. And finally, uh, you know, got underway. So here we are. Up next, let's talk about this. Let's talk about you're a popo in a place where the popos don't have guns. And then there's a mass shooting going on and you got to respond. And what one cop did. But 
balls of steel on this dude, man. Get into this story next. I'm Stretch. It's the Big 49. Big, big, big. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. What a way to get your career started for young Hayden Deegan of that Star Racing Yamaha crew. The guy makes his pro debut last week and rides to a fourth place finish overall, just narrowly missing the podium. And then you go to Tampa, you're like, all right, it was a good debut, a lot of hype. Well, the kid ditto did it again. In fact, he is so consistent right now that he is currently sitting at third place in the championship hunt for the 250 East. And that's because sixth place in sixth place, you've had a lot of guys that will get up on the podium, then the next week they're seventh, eighth, ninth, way down the list. And Hayden is just banging them out, being consistent. In fact, he was so consistent that in his heat race, he got the overall win. The kid wired to wired it, came out the hole, shot it out, and then went all the way through the entire heat race to get his first ever Supercross win on that. And then a sixth place overall on the night when the main event rolled around. This kid is off to a hot start. Can't wait to keep watching Hayden Deegan when we get back to the 250 East here in a couple weeks. I am Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 4-9. It's a Stretch show. All right, now we're going old school. I'm taking back 70s. Remember the TV show SWAT? Remember the theme song? Talking about 5-0. It'd be tough to be a SWAT guy in the UK when you don't have a gun. Yeah, so I went across the high ground and got my slingshot out. Got ready to take out the terrorist. Ain't easy being a 5-0 with no gun. I know a little something about that. Uh, I know a lot of something about that. But let's get into this story. We got a police officer, unarmed. He's in Plymouth, over there in the UK. Uh... And there's a guy named Jake Davidson who has now shot five people dead with a pump-action shotgun. And this guy's there. His name is Zachary Printer. That's the officer's name. He says his role as a police officer is to protect the public as best he can. He says, I had no choice. I had to act. This guy had a shotgun, but I had to do what I had to do. He said he had to confront him to protect the public. So he said he figured he could uh, take his attention away. This guy, a former Royal Marine runs to the gunshots. Remember, and I can tell you as a dude that uh, works unarmed, well, armed without a gun, they said, yeah, they tell us, uh, yeah, you should probably run away if you hear shots because you guys don't have guns. They're like, really? You should probably get us guns. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Just run away. I'm like, but we're security. We're the guys responsible for all these people here. Yeah, I know, but you don't have a gun, so run away. No, I'm not kidding. I've been told that. In my other job, we have guns. And we are expected to defend the place. And that's what we'll do. But at one of my jobs, the one where we do not have guns, we're told to run away. This guy had no gun, but he ran straight to the gunfire. And you're thinking, what's he going to do, run and tackle the guy? The guy's got a shotgun. He's going to see you coming. He's going to blast you. It's hard to miss with a shotgun. But uh, that is not the case. He said he got within 20 meters of him. And he yelled at him. And the guy, what's crazy is he yelled at him and told him to freeze right there. And the dude freaking turned the gun on himself and shot himself. So when he saw the popo charging him, rather than shoot the popo, he realized, all right, I'm toast. And he turned the gun on himself and shot himself. But this cop is like a hero because he was running towards the dude with a gun when he had nothing. Nothing but his voice. Some strongly... (laughs) 
some strongly uh, strong words. That's what he had. That's a tough one. The guy had shot up his family, killed his family, and let's see, who would he kill? First, he killed his mom. Then he killed a lady and her three-year-old daughter. Uh, then her father, who was 43 years old. And then he killed two other people. And then he was uh, charging at him and was probably going to kill more people until the officer arrived on the scene and charged him and he cowardly turned the gun on himself and shot himself. Which is cool, but shout out to that cop, man. Balls of steel. That's the kind of stuff you like. That's it. I love good popo stories because you hear a lot of bad popo stories. I give you bad popo stories all the time, but there's a good one. I'm going to give it to you. Matter of fact, I'm going to give you another popo story next, only it's a fake popo. And imagine if you're a fake popo and you're running around doing whatever you're doing to pretend you're a fake popo. Why? And would you call attention to yourself? But we're gonna we're gonna get into this. This guy was a special case. Step eight four nine. Two stroke. Four stroke. Forty nine. Big 4-9, it's a stretch show on a Monday morning. Tomorrow is Sucker's Day. Hope you don't get suckered out of a bunch of money. Because, by the way, what are you really going to get? It's a dude. Really. What are you going to get? The good news is you get to eat half of the dinner that you have to pay for all of it. I guess that's the good news. Maybe you get a card. Yeah, but you're going to have to buy flowers and candy and a gift and dinner. Yeah, three, four hundred bucks. For, for what? Anyway, I'm anti-Valentine's Day, especially this year. I want to murder people. All right, let's talk about this. Let's imagine you're a fake policeman. You got your car, which is the weirdest car ever to be made into a fake cop car. It's a early 90s Chrysler Dynasty. And a guy, I'm looking at a picture of it with a vi- actually a video of it, and it's fully made up. It has blue and white flashing lights in the bumper, in the grill, up along the windshield, and on the side. Everywhere you would have them on a police car. And blue lights you can't have on a car because that's for emergency use only. So it's already an illegal setup. You can have yellow flashing lights, but you can't have blue. You can't have blue or red. And those are for emergency vehicles only, and this guy's got blue and white ones. And it's a white car, even though it's old as hell. And here's the crazy thing. This is up in Canada. And the 5-0, they start getting reports on their 911 system in the town of Saanich. And they say, hey, there's a police car, or it looks like a police car, but it's driving erratically down the road. Like crazy. And it's got the lights on. So they're like, this is weird. And the cops roll up and they find it and they see it pull into a gas station. They pull in behind it. And as they're approaching the vehicle, which appears to be a police vehicle with the lights on, um, they notice a child in the back. And while the vehicle is driving erratically because the driver was hammered. So you got a guy that is inebriated driving a fake police car down the highway with the lights on with a little kid in the back. It gets better. Because dummies don't stop being dumb. They just keep dogpiling on the dumbness. So they get the kid out of the car. They get the guy out of the car. They realize he's impaired. He's going to go to jail for like a DUI. 
and they search the car and they find a fake gun. He's a fake cop with a fake gun. He's got a fake BB gun inside the car, which can't have. The car's got police antennas on it, police lights on it, a microphone, you know, so he can talk over a bullhorn to people. It's set up as a full-blown fake police car. Now, they don't have him on the charge of telling anyone he was a cop other than the fact that his car is illegal as hell. And they're pretty sure that's what this guy was doing. But he also apparently was a drug dealer because he had narcotics inside the car that were bagged up for sale. So I guess he turned on his police lights like, you're a drug dealer. I would think you would want to lay really, really low and not drive around a police fake police car with the lights on. Or uh, get on the radio and say, you're going to sling cocaine. That, those would all be bad things to do if you were a, a drug trafficker. But this guy, that's what exactly what he was doing. He is under arrest. The investigation is ongoing. I don't know what happened to the kid. But they're, they're like, this guy, they're not charging him necessarily yet with being a fake police officer, impersonating police officer. But he surely could face those charges when they look at his vehicle and the situation. He's definitely not uh, impersonating a drug dealer because with the narcotics he had in the car, he apparently was a drug dealer. Sounds like a fun time, right? I don't get it. People are stupid, but hey, what you got to do? All right, coming up next, if you missed it, we're going to get back into the AP interview. Aaron Plessinger, Red Bull KTM. We'll talk to him again next, and I'm going to get the F out of here because my head's about to explode. It's the Big 4-9. Big, big, big. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. Eli Tomac, your red plate holder and overall super beast of the 450 class, did not have a great night in Tampa. In fact, Eli finished fifth overall on the day, and it wasn't a good night for him. Now, there's been rumors out there that the Star Racing Yamaha 450 has more power than any other bike out there and made it really hard to ride in the rain on that slippery southern dirt. And Eli says he did not like the dirt, which is weird because he traditionally does well on the East Coast, but I guess that's when it's dry. So this is what Eli had to say after the race. It was a bit of an off day for my riding. I struggled with finding my comfort zone during the night show with the conditions being on the edge of slick and decent traction. Overall, we learned a lot about these conditions for the future, and I'm happy to still have the points lead. So he's going into Oakland with only a two-point lead over Chase Sexton, who is sitting in second place, and Cooper Webb is only four points behind in third. So it's going to get really interesting in Oakland in the 450 class next week. I am Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 4-9, it's a Stretch show. Time to get the F out of here. Thank God, not a moment too soon. Ah, man. What's that prayer? It's the alcoholic's prayer. I should know it, but people change it. Because it goes from uh, give me the strength to change the things I can to know better about, you know, the things you can't change. And it goes on and on. But when you change it to, and to give me the strength to not choke the living crap out of the people that annoy me. I had that line in there today. Oh, man. I'm trying. I'm trying to. I'm trying to keep the evil in. I really am trying. I'm trying hard. It's not easy. I gotta go to work tonight and deal with people, and deal with hostile people. It's not easy to do when you're already mad before you get there. I gotta take a chill pill, mellow out. What I gotta do. 
Uh, shout out to Aaron Plessinger for getting on the show. Tomorrow, I haven't decided yet uh, if we will talk to Cooper Webb or to Chase Sexton. Both are solid interviews. They were the number two and number one on the 450 podium. And then later in the week, we'll get the 250 podium with Hunter and Thrasher. I'm telling you, Nate Thrasher, he may be second-guessing not getting number 49 again this year. He was 49 last year. We got a Nate Thrasher 49 number plate hanging in the studio. I'm looking at it. It's awesome. But we have uh, Nate Thrasher being 29 this year. Mitch Oldenburg, who's having a great year, he snatched the 49 away from Nate Thrasher. So we'll see what happens with that. Good times, man. <sighs> I got to get out of here. Moto Man and Kyle will be back on Friday with their show. The podcast is now going. Best places to find it on Amazon Podcast or on Google Podcast. It's the easiest. You'll just boom, there it is, and you can listen to it. It's everywhere else, though. If you have a preferred place, it's on iHeart. It's in a bunch of places. But Google and Amazon, best, easiest places to find it. Because they don't bury it in the search results because they don't care about podcasts there. Whereas all the other companies have their podcasts they want to promote over the ones that are also there like us. So that is that. Everything is growing. I'm up to like 37 people or something crazy now. I got to love it. I thank you guys for listening. Have a great rest of your day. I'll be better tomorrow. Till then, God bless you all. And God bless the United States of America.